Have you been wondering what's happening right now in the current sports world? Each Monday, join Jamie Daly, a sports fanatic who talks about current updates and stories regarding today's sports news from different sources. If you are a person who has the same drive and passion for sports as we do, you're in the correct place. Please follow and subscribe to the Daily Sports Podcast update every Monday. Enjoy, and let's get off to a great start this week. Happy listening. What's up, guys? It's Jamie Daly on the Daily Sports Podcast. Um, I'm here with now with another new special guest for this week. I'm here with uh, Sneed from Sneed Mobile Tech. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing excellent. Thanks for having me. No Very problem. excited about the show. Let's do this, man. Uh, before we get started, make uh, to the audience, guys, make sure you follow Sneed Mobile Tech on YouTube. That is Sneed Mobile Tech, all spaces. Um, YouTube channel, talking about different cell phone carriers, you know, different impacts on uh, cell phones and Tec- technologies, 5G, LTE, network deployments, anything that's, uh, you know, smart, smartphone service related and the wireless network operators. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So the, what we're going to talk about tonight for you guys is um, something I haven't talked about yet on the show. It's, um, hopefully you guys all watched it. It was the last dance documentary with uh, the Chicago Bulls dynasty and what unfolded heading into that 98 season. Um, but first, when we get into it now, a lot of, a lot of stuff has played into this team. You know, we saw um, from different viewpoints, we saw from different games, we saw from different meetings. Um, but most importantly, we saw from the people, from um, MJ's past competitors, from his teammates, from the front office, from any other viewpoints you can think of. Um, but first, I would like to talk about, you know, how the Bulls dynasty was formed. Um, obviously, you had guys like Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, and most importantly, Phil Jackson, the head coach, who all played into this and, um, you know, had a huge part into it. Um, so, Snead here hasn't really seen the documentary, so, but um, obviously he grew up with it. Um, he has his own points about it. But, uh, you know, what do you, what do you think unfolded throughout this whole thing? Uh, in terms of the that era, like the of of when they, uh, you yeah. know, tracked everything for the documentary. Uh, so like, as as somebody who kind of lived through that era and saw the championship runs from the Chicago Bulls, and kind of saw the way that things played out for that team. Uh, so I'm a huge Cleveland sports fan. I watched my Cleveland sports teams get destroyed by certain teams. So the Denver Broncos beating the Cleveland Browns in some really important playoff games that, you know, the winner probably was going to the Super Bowl. Uh, the same thing with the Cavaliers. They were really good in the late 80s and early 90s. And that team came up short. And one of a couple of instances was because of Michael hitting a big time shot, knocking the Cavs, you know, out of the out of the playoff race. And um, I really liked their chances going into the finals. You know, but but Michael was a dream shatter, and that's kind of what he did. Uh, during that time in Michael's, you know, during the prime of his career, he had to he had to overcome a lot. Uh, the first, you know, phase of his career, he was getting smacked around by the Detroit Pistons, by the Boston Celtics, 
and he just couldn't get past those things. There's a lot of parallels between him and what, you know, like LeBron had to kind of endure in the first part of his career, very similar, taking the lumps, losing in the, in the playoffs and losing in the finals and things like that. But then the team got good. And by good, I mean the supporting cast got really good. The team was starting to come together. The GM, uh, the, the management of the team was really starting to build out a solid roster. So the coach, Scotty, BJ Armstrong, Ron Harper, uh, Bill Cartwright, all these, you know, these, these role players, Horace Grant, they didn't have to carry the mail, but they had to do certain things, you know, to make the Bulls an effective machine. And they became very successful. I think back to like the first few championships that Michael had, uh, they were very dominant. The Bulls got really good really quick. And really it was kind of like with Scotty. So Scotty was like a really important part. It was Phil Jackson, Scotty Pippen, some key names there. But in the last dance, we're talking about the final phase of the Chicago era. There were things that were covered in this documentary that nobody would have known about. Maybe bits and pieces from certain individuals that were like beat writers for the Chicago Bulls or guys that Michael kind of liked and would allow them to kind of interview occasionally, give them some, you know, off the cuff type of material. But what it did was it took a collection of interviews and conversations and then Michael kind of providing some context and explanations and it put together kind of a, in order and a sequence and a perspective about what it was like to be on that team as Michael Jordan during those years. And, you know, before anybody makes a final kind of take on that documentary, you have to keep in mind that Michael Jordan was part of the production team. There was no way he was just going to allow a team of directors, producers, and contributors to just make this and him not have final say. So before this thing was public, before it was completed and put out on the air for live TV and then you know people to watch it over and over again, Michael had to approve it. And he had a big hand in this. One of the things that Michael said was, I think this thing is going to make me look bad to certain people, like a bad guy. Could you imagine if he didn't have any editing power in this? He would look like a monster, right? So you got an edited version of an unedited time frame when things were really, really rough. Mm-hmm. Things were, you know, I, we kind of talked backstage about, you know, the era of the smartphone camera. None of that was happening in the 90s. That's an important thing to keep in perspective. Uh, There was no 24-hour news cycle like we have now. If something happens Saturday night, today in 2020, everybody knows about it Saturday night, right? Nobody – it doesn't have to leak on Monday, right? It's a 24-hour news cycle. I mean, people could be at church, and Bleacher Report is sending out John Jones hits pregnant lady with car crash, you know? Like, so – it was so different then. So this is our only insight of what was going on with team management, what was going on with the players like Michael and the, and the coach, but you got to keep in mind, Michael was only going to let people know just what he wanted to. And believe you me, I think there is some stuff that he held back. I think there's some stuff that was edited to make him look less bad. And uh, to be honest with you, I kind of knew most of what was going on in this documentary with the exception of the team management stuff like the Jerry Krause and the Jerry Reinsdorf material was new. Uh, Outside of maybe talking to some beat writers, you wouldn't have been privy to this information. So that was kind of cool. I really enjoyed it. And that's really what I wanted to see because I knew about Michael's gambling issues. 
And I knew about the death of Michael's father. And I knew about the trials and the tribulations of that season. I didn't know it was going to be a last dance per se. It ended up being a last dance. But I also didn't know the problem with Phil Jackson, right, in in great detail. So that was interesting. And I kind of walked away from this documentary feeling like connecting the dots was made a little bit more sense. But uh, it made Michael look a lot more human. And it made him look a lot more flawed than people usually look at him but i think he was okay with that because he's so far removed from being a player he didn't have to look invincible so it was kind of nice to see him in that way i thought it was pretty cool how um how the last dance took different parts of the documentary from other 30 for 30 documentaries like Mm -hmm. if you're talking about like if you've seen the documentary with the magic this magic moment how Mm -hmm. they created the team of nick anderson penny hardaway shaquille o'neal um all that those guys uh, yeah. yep, all those Forrest guys Grant. <laughs> you, were able, you were able to see the different sides of when the magic faced the bulls and mm-hmm. what jordan felt when he went up against the magic during that 95 conference final so was it 94 94 95 i think 90 yeah yeah so and also it was pretty cool seeing the bad boy pistons view versus the bulls side of things because obviously jordan does not like that team once, like, hates it. Does not like Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. Um, but well, if you're an NBA fan, you really it probably enjoyed that that yeah. uh, deep dive because, I mean, that was a rivalry, you know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, so like I said before, it was just, like, pretty cool seeing the different viewpoints of different teams, and you were able to see that through another documentary, like This Magic Moment or Bad Boy Pistons and – all those types of things. Um, but yeah, just hearing the, hearing the opinions from different athletes and giving their take on, you know, how Jordan affected their game of play and, and you know, how Jordan, you know, took it personally. As yeah. Every yeah. Episode. I, it was, you also got a little bit from Scottie Pippen, right? Mm-hmm. Like he talked about, you know, like when Jordan was gone and he kind of stepped in and became like the alpha of the team, the leading scorer. Uh, he took himself out of that game right? Because they didn't drop the play for him. Yep. That was all pretty interesting. Um, an NBA fan like myself, I grew up a big time fan of the league. I remember memorizing stats for players like Nick Anderson, Nick Van Exel, uh, Ron Harper, Dennis Rodman. Uh, I, I collected the cards, you know, the Lear, the tops, you know, all. The, so like I knew all the players, I was just a big fan of the league. And this kind of was a throwback and a callback to all of those players in that era. And, uh, but, it, but like you said, I mean, there was some really intriguing stuff. And, um, you know, you just don't always get that perspective, you know. And as a fan, sometimes all you get is the games. But these are like games within the game, you know. Absolutely. Um, I kind of want to go back to the Scottie Pippen side of things because I feel like he definitely played the victim throughout all this just because, one, I th- – feel like Jerry Krause was driving him a little bit in the wrong direction just because, well, one, he, he signed a really, really bad contract. Seven years, like $18 million. Um, I think personally they were using him as a decoy to get Michael better. But I feel like also they're taking that the wrong way as to how they should improve Scottie Pippen in and of itself, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, if you're familiar with Isaiah Thomas, 
the new, the newer, the younger Isaiah Thomas, the one that is currently, I think, still in the league. Yeah, um, he's on the Wizards. Yeah, he, I, I know he's, I know he's somewhere in the league. But I want you to think about like how things have turned out for him the last few years. Yeah. Here's a guy who bet on himself through an injury, and it backfired completely. He never mm-hmm. got paid. Yeah. Right. Scottie Pippen went the other way, took the money as soon as it was available because of uncertainty with an injury. Scotty had a bad back. It was well documented that he had a serious injury to his back that he knew that if he didn't take the guaranteed money and the contract that was offered from Jerry Krause and the Bulls, who knows what would have come. So uh, I think it was just bad timing and, and the injury thing that kind of backfired for Scotty. He was definitely undervalued. He was definitely underpaid. Part of it was the situation, and the other part of it was timing. You know, so it just it. I think it ended up that way. I don't think the goal of the Bulls was to screw Scottie Pippen. I think the goal of the Bulls was to hedge their loss in case something was really going to backfire with the injury. And the same thing from Scottie; he had to hedge his losses too. What if that was his only contract? You know, what if what if the injury became so bad and unbearingly painful? He couldn't play any longer. So I think that was, like I said, kind of victim of circumstance. Definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I wasn't mean to say they were trying to screw him. But, right. I, it, I think but it, does, it did look like that, right, at the end of the it day. Did. It really Cause did. Because he, he ended up playing like eight more years, nine more years after that contract, mm-hmm. right? He played more with Chicago, and then he went off to Portland. Portland. And then I think, I think he ended up somewhere. Did he play for the Rockets for a second? Spurs. I think he played Spurs. Maybe, yeah. Like he 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 signed on with a couple more teams after that. So yeah, yeah. I think yeah. And Jordan mentioned it at the end. Like if they were if they were going to stick together and go for a seventh championship, a fourth straight championship. You know, he, he was he would have been like, you know, I would have been on board, but Scotty, Scotty would have to take some convincing to stay with the team because mm-hmm. of all that you know bad history of arguing with with Kraus and team management and how they dealt with his injury and how they dealt with his contract. Yeah. It's interesting to see how they won in spite of the lack of chemistry, the lack of camaraderie and the lack of respect, I think within the upper team management level, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the owner, the GM and the head coach, and then the best players were not seeing eye to eye. Uh, So, you know, I'm a school teacher. You have students, and then you have teachers, and then you have administrators, and then there's a head administrator in the form of a head principal. You know, it's like having disjointed relationships, like like a the the coach kind of being like how the teacher is, right? Players like students, right? And then the GM like the assistant principal, and then maybe the team owner like the principal. If there's a disjointed connection somewhere, rifts, right? And you start having problems, internal strife. I think that was pretty evident in this documentary, there definitely was serious disconnections between management coaches and players. And I actually find that amazing. They were able to still win through all of that. Uh, I think it's, it's a testament to the will to win by the players that were on the roster. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy that you mentioned that because I thought it was crazy how they all knew like, I don't think any other team like real, like in this NBA world today, and if this was the last dance, like for any other team, I don't think they would realize that this would be the end for them. With the 98 Bulls or 97, 98 Bulls, 
they had what was coming. They were going to be breaking up because Krause said it. He said, this is Jackson, no matter if you go 82-0, and this is your last year with the Bulls. And <laughs> Jordan said, you know, I'm not coming back if, if, if Jackson's not coaching the Bulls. And it sort of leads to a domino effect because, you know, you got all these players that are going to be broken up regardless. So I thought it was kind of cool that, you know, the Bulls, they still want to change it with having that monkey on their back. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that's an interesting angle. They're pushed, I, up, against, they're pushed up against the wall. They're, I think, and what's crazy to me is that, like, they – Championship or bust. That was their mindset. Championship or bust. Because if they won the championship, great. Three feet, they did it, which obviously they did. But think about if they were to lose that championship and went to a game seven in that two in that finals. Mm-hmm. They lost. Yeah. Some of those guys would take it so personally, even though they won five championships with that organization. Most of those players. What's what's kind of crazy about that? Like you think about the name, the Last Dance. That was not really. Like I, I don't know how much of it is actually on Jerry Krause. I mean, we can't actually. So I, I believe he's passed away. You know, we can't like retroactively ask him questions. You know, uh, but uh, I think Phil Jackson kind of dubbed it the Last Dance. I don't know if it was really Michael. I don't know if it was really Jerry Krause or even Jerry Reinsdorf. I think, I think it was Phil Jackson. I think. He, he kind of created that. He he manifested the last dance in saying that from the very beginning of the season, well, this is the last time we're going to play together. This is our last season. So that's the championship and but or bust mentality. He kind of created that. And then there were like rumors and stories about them doing these poems where they let all their emotions out and they did this like bonfire thing and all yep. that. Yeah. Like that's he's he kind of manufactured the last dance. He made it that way. And then when Michael, because I think Michael was very loyal to Phil because he started winning with Phil and he was part of that. Like he trusted Phil. He didn't know if he could trust any other coach that way. Uh, so I, I feel like it's, it's really a lot to do with Phil Jackson when it comes to the fault. He had convinced these players were not coming back together as a unit the way we are now. Right. So the players believed that they won with this guy. So they were like loyal to him to a fault, even though the bulls probably could have brought in just, just as effective a coach with some experience or whatever. And the bulls probably would have won. I mean, did the coaching have to be great to win with that roster? I mean, at the time it was the best roster in the NBA, the bulls were winning series with the exception of the New York series and the Pacers series which were going like, you know, they were hard series. Yeah. Um, I mean, they went to seven games a couple times. Yeah. Right. They were winning against the Western Conference in the finals, like easily. Right. They beat the crap out of the Sonics and they beat the Jazz in six. Right. So they're and, and they beat the crap out of the Blazers, you know, so they were beating the West teams, but getting out of the East was tough. So. And that was because those teams were tough. Those, those are the teams that gave the Bulls problems. The bad boy Pistons, the Celtics, uh, the Pacers, uh, the, the um, yeah, yeah, the Knicks. These were teams that had fouls to give. Mm-hmm. These were teams that were pushing you out of the paint. You were not going to bully them. You were not going to finesse them. They were going to give it to you as much as you could handle. 
you know? So I, I look at the way that things played out and I think about the, the setup of, of how it was. Who's to say the Bulls wouldn't have won a couple more without Phil Jackson. He kind of manifested that whole thing. So like I said, I think the Bulls would have probably won a couple more with another oh competent coach, you know, because they had Michael, they could have brought back Scotty, maybe. Uh, they probably would have brought back some other supporting cast players. But what did Michael really need? He just needed guys who could rebound to help him defend, right, keep the score low. And when it came to it, he could have hit the shot. So <laughs> it still shocks me to this day that – and I'm sure Michael, like – you know, goes to bed. I, I honestly feel like he goes to bed every night thinking like how many more rings he could have had. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Probably. I think uh, they, de- they definitely could have won another championship. after. That. I think Chicago, if he never retired and it, there wasn't seriously a Phil Jackson sabotage in a way, I think they win 10. I think they win 10. If he, if he never had to go to Washington yeah. to continue his career, if he never played baseball, if he didn't have the gambling issues, I mean, he got he had six. He had six in a disrupted career. He, he three-peated twice. So that means he probably could have three-peated again, or maybe he would have had a four-peat. Like, to say he could have had seven rings, easy. You could easily make that argument. Eight easily nine right now it's kind of like the realm of okay that would be challenging he would have to gone had to go had to have gone more back to back and then one you know and then 10 would be difficult like who wins 10 chips in us in their career like that's bill russell and the celtics right that's just like happened once you know um but he was he was the best player we've ever seen i mean me i've i've seen a lot of great players i've been watching the league for almost what, 35 years? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I've seen some dominant players, and he was a dominant player. And when the team got better around him, I mean, they were killing uh, teams and killing dynasties. Like that 72-10 and 10 season? Oh, it was crazy. Um, they, they legit were devastating teams. I mean, there were games where I think Michael played, like, two and a half quarters. Right? Like, they were up. Um, That's something they didn't really mention in the doc. Oh, they were killing teams. It was, um, I mean, they were, it was cakewalk. I mean, Michael played every game, but there were some games where he was like hot dogging it. Yeah. You know, like there were some games he would, he would drop 40 in like two and a half quarters, you know? And then it was like, okay, you know, you played 25, 30 minutes. I mean, he played a lot of games, but I mean, they were killing teams. And defensively, they were putting a stranglehold on teams. They were really good when they got Rodman and Kukoc and those guys. Yep. They were really dominant. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, so I think when they so when they faced the Jazz mm. in the '90s in the yeah '98 Finals, like it bothers me that Stockton and Malone don't have a ring. Doesn't bother me. Doesn't bother me at all. They're the best duo to never win a championship. There's plenty of duos, though. I mean, they're, they're not the only ones. I think, like I said, I opened up saying Michael Jordan was a dream shatterer. Yeah, those guys have nightmares about Michael Jordan. Like, he destroyed yeah. them. But he yeah. did it to everybody. He didn't discriminate. He, 
wanted to crush everybody. He took, he took pleasure in crushing mm-hmm. people's dreams. Yeah. You know, uh, Stockton was a very great, a very, a great player, right? He's hall of fame point guard, all defensive. He was a great pick and roll player with, with him and Carl Malone assists, steals, uh, you know, a traditional point guard hit his free throws. He was a very good player. Carl Malone, one of the best players to ever play all personal things aside. I, I obviously he's got a very checkered past. Uh, he's done some things probably that, you know, you wouldn't want to mention here on your podcast, but no. uh, a great player. I mean, he's what top two or three in scoring. Uh, mm-hmm. pro- I mean, I think maybe LeBron's knocking on the doorstep. LeBron's, maybe. What LeBron? He just passed Kobe, so LeBron. Okay, so LeBron's probably four right now. Three or four. Three or four. I, I think Carl Malone's like right there. He might be number two. Um, I think I think it's Jordan Malone and Jabbar. Right, somewhere, and, and I don't know the sequence of that. So, like, um, they were a great team. And then when they got, like, Jeff Hornacek, right, and they got a little bit of a supporting cast, Byron um, – what was his name? Uh, Brian Russell. You know, Russell. He, he was a more like a perimeter defender. You yeah. know, he was given the task of guarding Michael Jordan, you know. Uh, they were a very good team. I mean, they had size. I remember guys like Greg Ostertag, you know, like they really filled up the roster – they're built to win, but they didn't have Michael Jordan, dude. You know, they, they just did. Sure. Yeah. And uh, he hurt the number one, The number one duo at the top of my list to never win a championship back during that time. Yeah. Malone. But sure. yeah. if you're thinking of best players to ever play the game and to never have a ring, Charles Barkley. Uh, what do you – so, I'd say like Shaq and Anthony Hardaway were a good duo that never won. Uh, I'll give you the Carl Malone Stockton thing. They're definitely up there. Gary Payton, um, Sean Kemp, or no, Gary Payton has a rain. Has a rain. Uh, did he win one with the Lakers? Oh, the Heat. He won one with the Heat, didn't he? Was he with the Lakers? Yeah, but I don't know if he won the year with the Lakers. I think he ended up getting one with the Heat. Maybe. Okay. I I don't know, man. Some of these guys became journeymen. And started chasing the ring, so mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Um, yeah, but there are some notable duos that didn't win. Uh, yeah. You know, like I remember the John Starks and Patrick Ewing Knicks. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and a couple guys finally got over the over the hump, as they say, later in their careers. But yeah, and nobody was winning during the Jordan era, right? That those nineties, he retired, and the Rockets won too. Right, and Hakeem got his. You know, and Kenny Smith, you know, Kenny the Jet Smith and the Jet and those guys, right. And and Clyde Drexler finally got one that second year and uh Drexler. Yeah. So was on that um what's his Cassell, Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell, yeah, before he went over to the T Wolves. Yeah. Yeah. So great player. So yeah, but nobody was winning until Jordan was gone, right? He retired, went and played baseball, Hakeem won one. Then Hakeem won the second one. Jordan came back, but you know, he was not his normal self. Right. So, <laughs> so yeah. 45 isn't 23. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the following year he was, he was back. He was yeah. a killer. Uh, he was back on his, on his, on his stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, it's funny because after that, after that game, he immediately turned to 23. Like I'm going to show this dude what's up. And he did. And the Magic somehow ended up winning the series. And that's when Horace Grant turned over to the Magic. And 
Oh, that was such a great Magic team. It was, man. They're the they're one of the better teams, I think, that never won one. Oh, they were. I mean, I I, I watched the Magic Moment documentary, and I think how that team was, and the way they were placed in the lottery, and you know the picks they got. They they had the they had the uh, they had the bench they had the scoring they had defense and picking up Horace Grant was the the piece they were missing definitely because because like Shaq and Horace Grant you got Penny Hardaway you got Nick Anderson you got all these shooters and guys that can defend truly and you know I that was that was based a lot in the uh, Last Dance documentary, for sure. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, uh, did the uh, – did you see um, – it was – Michael Jordan was playing the Hawks, and the Hawks drafted this rookie. I can't – I forget his name. LaBrady Le, Le, Le or something like that. But anyway, this rookie – put up 32 points in one game against Michael Jordan. And obviously the Bulls ended up winning. And the rookie went up to Michael and said, hey, nice game, Mike. So the Bulls ended up playing them the next day because they had a back-to-back. And Jordan said to one of his teammates, I think it was one of his teammates, he said, I'm going to drop 32 in the first half. He dropped 35 in the first half. Mm. So, like, like what you said, the guy's a killer. Yeah. But also, he made that whole thing up. That kid never went up to Michael and said, nice game, Mike. I just think that what he did, what a rookie did, Michael Jordan, Michael took offense of that. So by him making that up, it fueled more of the fire. Yeah, that was Mike conjuring up feelings of animosity that would drive him and fuel him into this competitive rage. You know, he he needed that. Like, he would create – it's almost like he was creating narratives and stories in his mind that this guy hates me and wants to kill me, so that's why I need to do this, right? He, he, created, the, he created the imagery. He created the scene like a play. Uh, you know, he set the stage. Uh, you know, like he would, like I said, he would conjure up these situations uh, because he knew if, if he was friendly with people, it would take part of his edge away. So he, he would get mean. He would get nasty. You know what oh, I mean? And, and it, was, it was something that I remember Kobe, you know, rest in peace, would always talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, he tried to take on so much of that Michael persona, and that was part of it. Like, uh, you know, you look at certain players, everybody's style is different. Michael was a assassin, right? Uh, he wanted to really hurt people and disable them when it comes to their psyche and the game. And that's kind of like how he got off in a way. Like that was part of his shtick. It was like, I'm going to squash you. You're just an ant and I'm yeah. a boot, you know, like that kind of thing. And I saw that as a kid and I saw that growing up as a teenager, I'm like, man, this guy is nuts. And people would try to avoid those confrontations and they try to avoid situations. Reggie Miller kind of invited it. That was his style. And he had to pay dearly for it because Michael hurt him bad. (laughs) Crushed his dreams too, man. 
I think it's crazy that when Jordan, the first championship they won was against the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And Jordan didn't really have anybody on that team when they beat the Lakers. Obviously, they had a young Scottie Pippen who just mm-hmm. – but, like, who else did they have when they beat that Laker team with Magic Johnson and a bunch of – and all those guys that you know about? Like, crazy. Like uh, In terms of the roster? Yeah. Like, I don't think they really had much going into that 91 season when they won the first so that was kind of all right so that being their first championship run it actually had kind of the core of that first repeat so we're talking bj armstrong who was a very good point guard Mm -hmm. he wasn't tasked to do too much of the scoring he was tasked to help distribute the ball and kind of get the triangle offense started and he was a very good defender and things like that bill carwright was a center he was a center cog block up the paint, come down with some rebounds, redirect some players, you know, so they didn't get easy shots. Horace Grant was there. Yep. Horace Grant was young, a very young player. So he was rough around the edges. He obviously had to learn how to play his position, uh, but he was effective. Horace Grant's an all-star, as was, I believe, B.J. Armstrong. Uh, Craig Hodges was a very good player as well. Yeah. I, think, yeah. I think that team was actually better than you might be giving them credit for because they still had Scottie Pippen, John Paxson, like, yeah, these were these are role players for the most part. But from that point moving forward, they were trusted to do certain things in certain situations. Because if and then if you look at uh, the following year, uh, so you can go to like BasketballReference.com and you could take a look at these rosters. And um, you know, so that's the ninety ninety one team. Go ahead and if you look up the ninety one ninety two team. I'll, I'll I'll just see if they made any changes. I don't think they did much. No, they really didn't. I'm trying to see because they wouldn't have had like a high draft pick. They just came off the championship run. Yeah. Uh, so it was B.J. Armstrong, Bill Curry, Horace Grant. Okay, so they added Bob Hansen. Yep. Cliff Levingston. Chuck Nevitt. Mark Randall. Rory Sparrow. That was it. That, that was the only – that means everybody else, the course, stayed the same. So the team that beat the Blazers was essentially the same team that beat the Lakers, right? And it's the core of the team. The main seven or eight players, I mean, we have these conversations all the time about the NBA. The, the, the top six, seven or eight players are the most important players on a roster. Very few instances of guys that are the 10th, 11th, 12th player on the bench making an impact in a playoff run. You know, these, these top seven or eight guys are the ones eating up all the minutes in the playoffs. So they had their core. And I'm just curious. I'm going to look at the 93 team, and I want to see if anything else changed because at that point, uh, that was the third of their three-peat, right? They beat that year? It was... uh, that would have been – who did they beat after the, the Blazers? So it went Lakers, Blazers. Um... Oh, Suns. The Suns, Charles Barkley Charles and the Barkley. Phoenix Suns. There you go. I don't know why that was evading me. They went to six games, yeah. So they added <clears throat> Ricky Blanton, JoJo English, Rodney McRae, Ed Neely, Trent Tucker, Daryl Walker, Corey Williams. They The core was there. So that 
that three-peat was the same team, essentially. Right. So he retires, start. right? Yep. He comes back. They lose to the Magic, right, in the playoffs that year. Yeah. And then they the next time they won was the 96, right, 97? The, the glove. Okay, so the, the yeah, and they, they beat them. They beat the brakes off of them. Yep. Right, and that was the Tony Kukoc era. That was the Rodman. Steve Kerr era, right? That was, yeah, the Dennis Rodman era. So, so then the team was a little bit different, right? So I think they just relied on that young core. Yeah, they, they came along together. For that first week, which I find really, really, which I found really, really impressive. Yeah, I mean, uh, you gotta you gotta give Jerry Krause his due. Yeah, you know he 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 assembled the team. He had the coach. He had the player. Michael, he got Scotty. The team came together, got a couple nice little pieces, and it worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely give him credit where credit's due. Absolutely. Uh, I just, I just. What'd you think of? What'd you think of the personal antics? The per the 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 personal things happening within Michael's life, outside of hoops. I thought that was interesting. That people finally got to take a look at it. A lot of the things that I remember hearing about, mm-hmm. right? So, like, the gambling problems, yeah, the Atlantic City, the cigars, the drinking, right? So, uh, the interactions with his teammates on I the think, planes, yeah. His I, father, the death yeah. of his father, the 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 retirement to baseball. Yep, I think it was definitely a roller coaster ride for him because you know he did mention in one of the episodes. I think it was episode. Six or seven um, before, or I think, it was, yeah, no, it was after his father died. But he would, be, he would be sitting in his hotel room, smoking a cigar, talking about how if I went out there, I'd get bamboozled with fans. And next thing you know, he's in his hotel room, just chilling, not doing anything. So I like the whole world throws throws themselves at Michael, and I don't wouldn't. Necessarily say it's overwhelming for him because it's Michael Jordan um but I think what he did on the basketball court was the most important thing in terms of personality and what he what he did out there um with how with his game I don't think he had a gambling problem because I think he had a competitive problem and he he said it mentioned he mentioned that in the documentary. Um, he, had a, he had a gambling problem. I, I refuse to let anybody else cut it any other way. Uh, one of the things that you'll, you'll see repeated time and time again are people with addiction problems, the fir- they're always in denial. They don't have a problem. They could stop whenever they want, but they right. never do. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? And gambling is one of those things. It's like drug addiction. Uh, the people that are in the addiction don't see themselves as the people see them on the outside looking in. Michael was a gambler with a gambling addiction because he gambled excessively and did not ever want to stop and probably has never stopped. Um, he claims he's competitively addicted, which could be true. But that competition, gambling, you're not really competing against anyone. That means he's competing against himself. Yeah. Right. So that's a personal demon actually uh they've oh, classified had, gambling as a disease he had his inner demon so <laughs> hey i'm very competitive and yeah. i'm nothing near michael jordan i'm not trying to 
insinuate anything. But, uh, you know, I can let things go eventually. I mean, this guy was going off at his Hall of Fame speech. Yeah. About the guy who took the his spot on his high school team. Yeah. That's the coach's fault. Why yeah. are you trip why are you tripping about the guy? You know? I thought it was I, I thought it was funny how guys on the team would play poker games like they'd be hiding in the back of the plane, you know, they're they're dealing the cards, they're they're putting out their money and they would pay for they would they would play for lower money while Michael's playing for like what? five thousand dollars at the front of the plane and yeah, he I think, he tried to bully people in that way yeah, i think yeah. like the only way i'm gonna be happy is by taking your money out of your pocket and he didn't need money no i mean this guy this guy was making 25 million a year in salary and then top that with in, the, in 1996 top, think about top, that yeah top that with the nike deal yeah yeah that I mean, he got i mean his his shoe brand alone, right? Yeah. Uh, um, and, Michael, you know, I thought it was crazy too because he, the way he was thinking about going to Adidas, like, oh uh, yeah, think uh, about that. I think the same thing was with Kobe, wasn't it? Kobe initially started with Adidas and ended up yep. with Nike. Yeah, yeah, but Converse was the bigger thing, so yeah, Converse, you know, really. Strike him that too, strike them too much about it. But I think Adidas was the starter. But I don't think he would have made much with Adidas as with Nike. You know what's crazy about the documentary when you look at the totality of it and how it made Michael look? I always saw Michael as a very flawed individual. I saw him as a very intense, I saw him as a very uh, skilled player, obviously. He's, he's kind of the classic brilliant. Uh, player like like how an artist is brilliant Mm -hmm. if you notice the most brilliant minds are usually like weird right they're kind of extreme uh vincent van gogh uh steve jobs picasso like think about these they were so strange in that they were like extreme in their personalities almost like an ocd or some kind of like a personality disorder so michael had this competitive disorder right and he created these things in his mind to make him hate you so he could kill you, right, mm-hmm. on the court. Not figuratively, right? Or figuratively, not literally. Um, but, like, that's very typical of people that are truly amazing and special at what they do. And, you know, Van Gogh was the guy with the ear. Yep. Right? That's yep. weird. Okay? Um, you know, like, it, it, it's, it's one of those things, like, and, and magic, uh, musicians, like Kurt Cobain was a very jaded individual, right? Uh, the head, the lead singer of Soundgarden, Chris Cornell, a yeah. very tormented individual, like within personally, right? Um, I bring up these names to kind of give you the, the those comparisons. It's funny you, you it's funny you brought this up because Michael, before you know, someone asked him before, what do you do like pregame? Like, what do you do to get your mind right? He goes, uh, drink a couple of beers play the piano did you ever like think about like why he was playing the piano no that i didn't even know yeah i didn't even know he did like yeah he would play piano before Mm -hmm. the finals games and i don't know like you, you said it's weird how an artist like van gogh but like did you ever think about like Beethoven? 
Mm-hmm. That tie, maybe? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would, yeah. I mean, I, I, I just, I look at, okay, so, and then Steve Jobs, literally insane. But a man of his time, a very unique individual. Just, mm-hmm. you know, he's not conventional. He's unorthodox. Right. You know, at his own keynote, he's like going off on his guests that are using the Wi-Fi. He's like, oh, we'll continue when you guys get off the Wi-Fi. He's literally talking to developers and his customers. You know, like he's kind of psycho. You know, yeah. they're kind of antisocial. They're kind of awkward. They're unaware. They don't care about what's going on around them. Michael was kind of like that. He was extreme. And this documentary, I think, highlighted some of that, that he was kind of extreme, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it just struck me like that in my brain, like how you mentioned, like, weird artists and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And mm-hmm. what did you think about the flu game? How it's crazy. Um, so not game. really the flu game, right? It was a food yeah. poisoning game. Really. What are your thoughts on that? So it's a food poisoning game. He ate a bad pizza, right? Okay. So the story goes, Michael Jordan gets the flu and he's trying to play through it. Turns out he, it's like more like stomach flu, right? Uh, food poisoning actually more oh. than stomach flu. Right. This, this actually goes back to Willis Reed, right? The player for the Knicks, right? He, he came out, he was like extremely injured, came back like, like a miracle, and then they won the championship, right? And then we saw with Paul Pierce with the freaking, with the, with the wheelchair. Remember when he was like wheeled off in the wheelchair and then they wheeled him back and he came in the game and right. ran in. Yeah. Well, they kind of like, it's kind of a little extra. Uh, I remember LeBron when they beat the Hawks, Back in like the 16 playoffs, he had played like 47 of the 48 minutes mm-hmm. and he was exhausted and he's kind of laying there doing the interview. <laughs> he's like, oh, we played really hard. You know, like he kind of put it on a little heavy, you know, put it on a little thick, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, I think there's some of that showman to it, but I think Michael was legitimately like dehydrated kind of like he was fighting yeah. hydration issues. Exhausted. He had the food poisoning, right? I- but people... And Michael probably wasn't going to stop anyone from thinking otherwise. He was sick, right? Yeah. And, I mean, he was – it was an amazing showing for somebody who had food poisoning. Regardless of how you slice it, he was big time. Yeah, I – credit to him. Yeah. I couldn't do it. <laughs> Imagine trying to run a race with food poisoning. I could not. No Running way, up and down the court. I, I mean, I've – I have I have competed through like ailments, injuries, and pain, and so like, uh, you know, everybody deals with a different threshold of pain. Uh, but like knowing how he is, like you, you can't really be surprised. But you could be surprised at how great he was under right. those circumstances. <laughs> and and five guys delivering a pizza can't get any more weird <laughs> than that. But do you think? I know, right? Do you think like why those five guys showed up wasn't just because of the pizza, but just because they wanted to see Michael though? Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's kind of how it played out. I mean, if, if people are speculating that it was a setup to get him sick, I mean, that's pretty crazy. Definitely. Right. I mean, that's, that that feels like it's, it kind of feels like that would cross the lines of too far, right. To try to poison a guy. So I don't know. (laughs) I hope that's not what it was. and, And to pull that stunt against the best player in the world. Like, and he, and he still finds a way to will through and win. Right. Crazy. Sort of, yeah. 
definitely. I just, and yeah, I mean, I don't think people realize, yeah, like obviously it wasn't a flu. And that's what's crazy because people were like, no, 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 back off. It wasn't the flu. It was worse. This was food poisoning. Like, I don't know. I just thought that was crazy. I mean, there were a lot of little things that happened throughout this documentary documenting what was going on. Uh, the loss of his dad was big time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it changed the trajectory of his career. Yeah. Baseball and David Stern and all of that stuff. Uh, yeah. So much speculation that something had to do with you know, Michael's gambling debts and, yeah, and how what they, happened how with they, his like, dad. How they tied his gambling to his de- father's death. Yeah, I mean, nobody has concrete evidence of that, but there's so much smoke. It just, it, it fuels people's speculation, you know, yeah. and and the fact that he disappeared and then he went to baseball. I don't know. It was just a crazy time. Uh, nobody had ever seen the best of his sport just walk away like that. So it, it just think- made people wonder. Do you think the media back then was worse than it is right now? The media now is, has a different personality. The media now, the culture is, be the first to break the story, even if you may not be right. Just go ahead and break it first, then you can like retract it and then correct it later. As opposed to back then, I feel like they really wanted the journalism piece to have some credibility because there was people speculating about his whole dad and, and all of that situation, but nobody ever really said, came out and said, yeah, definitely like it had something to do with the debts and all that. Uh, I don't know how it would play out now. I mean, we've seen some pretty crazy things. Uh, LeBron and his teammates in Cleveland in that first go around, you know, rumors of his mom and his teammates. And, yep. you know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like those things are made up and it's to cover up some of the shortcomings of certain players' performances. You know, I don't know. Um, it's just weird. It's, it's, I wish we had more definitive evidence to support the speculation or there was a way to completely de- dis, uh, debunk any falsehoods. You know, we don't, I don't like to fuel into speculation that has no credence. So, but I do know that that was, stated and talked about for a long time and some people feel very strongly about it um they're not in no way shape or form credible sources that know it as fact that's the problem so we can't say yeah definitely dad uh, you know the 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 reason for his murder and it was tied to jordan's dad says a gambler and just it's too hard to do it but uh no coincidence Right around the time, you know, he retired and tried to play baseball, and that's what his dad wanted him to do or whatever. You know, it's just a crazy alignment of the stars. I yeah. Guess. Um, all right, next topic, dream team. Mm. Um, <laughs> crazy team, man. Crazy. Best, team. best ever. Whoa, so much best, talent. So much Hall ever. of Fame talent. The um, fact that Christian Leitner was the only player on there, that yeah. didn't make it to the Hall of Fame, I think. Yeah. And he was um, fresh off of his senior year at Duke. Yep. At Duke University. Right? Yeah. Have and that's what they that? did. They always they always brought on like a young college player, right? Speaking of Christian, yeah, speaking of Christian Lane, have you seen that documentary? Yeah. Yeah, that big shot that he had against yeah. um who they who did they who'd they play in that championship game that he hit that uh, shot over the 
it's going to bother me. I don't know. I know it was a big year with uh, Duke and North Carolina. And um, I mean, those were, those were some pretty amazing. That team had Bobby Hurley on it. Yep. I remember. Yep. Yeah. There were some pros on that court. I remember. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that team was nuts, man. I mean, there was so much talent on that team. Like future hall of famers were left off that team. Yeah. Right. Uh, John Stockton was on that team, but Isaiah Thomas was not, you know, yeah. That's uh, what I is, also wanted to talk about was Jordan's hatred towards Isaiah Thomas and how he wouldn't play on the dream team. If Tom- I don't think any, I don't think anybody liked Isaiah. No, I don't think anybody did. I don't know. I guess, I guess magic liked him. Maybe to summarize, to summarize it all. I don't think guys liked that Pistons team. Yeah, they were, um, they talked a lot of smack and they did a lot of smacking around and yeah. they were, they were sore losers and uh yeah and them leaving what was with that yeah oh when they when they when they lost to the bulls sore losers yeah but that's kind of how things were back then they didn't dap up and give each other you know slap fives and congrats and stuff they were kind of oh yeah absolutely and and i i definitely agree it was it was different back then and um but like obviously horace grant said something like calling them sore losers that's what Right. And like, you know, Jordan saying like, you know, I did my part. Where's your part? Where we we lost to you twice. And well, I don't I don't know what Jordan expected. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the teams hated each other. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Bill I, I, feel, I feel like I feel like yeah, like I feel like the way things played out, the Bulls should not have been surprised that yeah. the Pistons responded the way they did. Yeah, I, they, if you were surprised, uh, I don't think you were aware of the situation. They had some so, guys on that team, though. Man, that team was nasty, bro. I remember because the Cavs were. Cars. I'm telling you, the Cavs, the Cleveland Cavaliers were a very good team, and we were getting pummeled by the Pistons and the Bulls, and that was what was really keeping us out of a championship run. Yeah, well, Dumars, Lane Beer, Rodman, Pop- yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Rick Mahorn. Rick Mahorn, I mean, they Adrian. Had, uh, yeah, they had they had players, man. They had guys that could hit shots. They had, they had tough def- guys. Most importantly, they had defenders. They did. Okay, they so had, every if you boys. if you look at each team that wins the finals, you're gonna find a good defensive team. Mm-hmm. There, you will never see a team winning the finals simply outscoring or like scoring like 140 a game. It does not happen. Yeah. Otherwise, the freaking Suns would have had championships. With like Amari Stoudemire and Sean Marion and you know Joe Johnson and Steve Nash, yeah, they would have won chips, you know. But they're defensively, it just wasn't there, you know. The the Dan Tony yeah. system and all that crazy jazz. Right. The I mean, look at the early Cavs years with LeBron. Those teams were defensive teams. They were keeping teams under ninety points. What year? Right? Uh, two thousand seven. The, the, the team that the team that went to the to San Antonio got swept. No, Eric Snow, Larry Hughes. Le- yeah, yeah, but that so that team didn't have offensive firepower. Yeah, but they hit enough shots where they were and they played defense. Mm-hmm. You know, and actually all of Mike Brown's teams had defense. Yeah, you know, they were a top five defensive team every year. Mike Brown basically was there, uh, so they were in the mix for a chip. The Orlando Magic. Right, the year that they went to the finals, they were oh, a top nine. defensive team. Right, yep. the Lakers every year they were in the finals were a top defensive team. 
Imagine you had you you had to play defense. You had to if you were going to get to the chip. Imagine the Cavs Lakers finals though. Oh, those years with LeBron and Kobe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe it would have been a uh, long fight. Yeah, we could have seen some more of a rivalry between those two greats. Uh, MJ had different rivalries, you know. He mm-hmm. had rivalries with the Knicks, with the Pacers in the East, and the Pistons and the Celtics. And then I wouldn't say he had rivalries out West, but he was basically killing everybody. Uh, you know, he beat the Jazz twice. Yep. Right? Uh, he beat the Blazers. He beat the Lakers. Sonics. Uh, yeah, so he, you know, he beat teams. Um, man, I, it's incredible to look back at the, those runs, man. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was a great time for the NBA. It really was. But going back to the Dream Team, um, just the amount of talent just stacked on that team. Oof. You had guys from like from each like like stacked from each position all over, and my opinion, best team to ever step on the floor. Like nothing, no nothing will ever match to that. And I mean, did you ever did you catch that? Uh, the, I watched every game. Yeah, the evidence. Of- I, w- I watched every game of the the dream team, and I remember asking my dad why Isaiah Thomas was not on the team because he was an all-star like elite, like this dude had championships, right? They had rings. Yeah. Um, they took Clyde Drexler over Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. Like how <laughs> they took John Stockton. If you want to look at position wise. So you had magic Johnson. Okay, fine. Makes total sense. You had Larry Nerd. I mean, Larry Bird, right? <laughs> I mean, you had these these players. Like, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna just go ahead and look at the roster. Yeah, go just for it. just to look like who would have been. Okay, so I get you wanted Christian Leitner because he was like the college player. Okay, fine. David Robinson, Patrick Ewing were your centers. You mean to tell me somehow, some way, you couldn't have kept Patrick Ewing off and found a way to get Isaiah Thomas on there? Okay, so. Is Patrick Ewing a Hall of Famer? I guess. Isaiah Thomas is a no doubt first ballot Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. right? Larry Bird, got you. He's on. Scottie Pippen, right? Scottie the Pippen. best, best, you know, second player on any combo ever. Clyde Drexler, really, over Isaiah? Uh, Christian Leitner over Isaiah? Patrick Ewing over Isaiah? No way. Uh, John Stockton over Isaiah Thomas, Chris Mullen. Come on, man. I like Chris Mullen. There's no way you could justify Chris Mullen over Isaiah Thomas, Charles Barkley. Okay. Like Uh, that was, that was his prime, right? Like he was still in his prime at the time. And then magic Johnson. I I just, there were four players you could have just picked for Isaiah Thomas to replace. I think them having Christian Leitner on the team gave – I think they wanted to give Leitner experience of playing with big dogs and, you know. Do you know who the head coach of that dream team was? Chuck Daly. Do you know whose head coach that is? The Detroit Pistons. That's another thing they talked about. Why did – It's crazy. Say right? and Isaiah Thomas is coming onto the roster. He passed away, unfortunately, a number of years ago. Yeah. Oh man, it would have been nice to have him to talk about that. Yeah. Because you know, you know, there was something going on, and oh. he just couldn't talk. He couldn't talk about it. You know what I mean? Uh, Mike, Coach K, Mike Chachevsky. Mm-hmm. 
he was an assistant was an on assistant that team. Time. Yep. So was that the reason Christian Leitner was on that team? I I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm just saying. I never thought about it that. Was, I think I think Michael, Scotty, Magic also a little bit. Chris I think Mullen, they kept wait, Chris Mullen was on that team? Chris Mullen was on that team, bro. Now Chris Mullen was a great player. I'm not trying to discount what he did. He is not Isaiah Thomas. Bro, Zeke was a G. Zeke was a game breaker, a game changer. This dude played injured with like a broken ankle, basically, and willed his team to victory. Fearless. Mm -hmm. A scorer, a distributor, a defender. I mean, this dude was clutch. Chris Mullen. Come on, man. Small roster, too. John Stockton. Really? John Stockton was still not even really a household name, in my opinion. He was a top point guard, but he was not to the level of Isaiah Thomas. I think from top to bottom, this is a this is a, this is somewhat of a perfect roster for a dream team on an Olympic team. But if you were to add guys like, yeah, Isaiah Thomas, Gary Payton, I will confirm this. This is what confirms this was personal. You know how many games John Stockton played in in that dream team run? Two. Really? He played two of the six games they played that summer. Two. Do you know how many games Larry Bird played because of his busted back? He played two games. Two games. Two games. They mentioned that. I mean, Larry Bird literally. I mean, I'll even look at the minutes he played. Yeah. I'd be like, I would be. What's I, I don't know how many minutes he could have played because he took 11 shots in two games. So I'm guessing he played maybe 30 minutes in those okay, two Stockton, games. Stockton played four. Minutes. Four minutes? Minute, no, four games. Minutes played, 29. No, no, it, it says two games. Oh, this is oh, – okay. Nope, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's embarrassing. So to say that it wasn't personal would be a lie. It was clearly personal because there were, Isaiah was better than almost half of that roster. Even players at his same position were not as good as him. Only they showed the scores. Right. If you're going to say guards, why John Stockton? Bro, John Stockton was a – he was a bit player on this. Absolutely. You know, like he I, – I just – I don't – I don't I don't know. I don't know how many minutes he played. I, I You know, like, so I can't comment it. But two games he played. Hangs me. They were trying to – it keeps, and it hurts him. Yeah, talked about that, and they had him on first take, and they had him on you know the shows and stuff. He talked about that because he knew he knew it was personal, but he had that that rivalry. I don't know, maybe he should have seen it coming. Mm-hmm. Last, bro, they were killing teams one thirty six to fifty seven. 
105 to 61. 112 to 52. <laughs> it's crazy. Last thing before we wrap this all up. MJ versus LeBron. I want to hear your take. MJ versus LeBron? Yeah. Man, I, I, I don't know, man. Listen. LeBron, if, if he would have allowed himself to be coached, like, legit, like, uh, listened to his coaches, trusted in the system, you know, worked at whatever the, the goals of the team were. There's a, I think a lot of that hindered his chances at winning more rings. He underachieved in Miami, won two out of four. He definitely should have won three. You could probably argue they should have won four based on all that Hall of Fame talent they had on that team. On the Heat? Dwayne Wade was in his prime, yeah. and Chris Bosh was in his prime. Yeah. They had three of the top ten players in the NBA. At the time. Dirk Nowitzki and the Mavericks. Hey, that Mavericks team was good. Bro, Hall of Famers. Yeah. I think they had Jason Kidd, right? Did they have Jason, Jason Kidd? Jason Kidd. Like John, John Marion. Right? Yeah. No, but you're you're naming like role players, bro. They had they had three of the top ten players in the NBA. Maybe top twelve, right? Chris Bosch, maybe he's not top ten, right? I don't know. But come on, man. They underachieved. And part of that problem, I think, was the whole Eric Spolstra thing, Pat Riley. He only won two there. He probably should have won four. You could at least say he could have had three. They shouldn't have lost to the Mavericks. Uh, I think it kind of got lucky with the Thunder. I think they beat an inexperienced Scotty Brooks because the Thunder were up one game to nothing and, like, yeah. up by 19 points in game two in Miami. And then they lost four straight. Right. So, I don't know. I feel like if LeBron would have gone to Chicago instead of Miami, they have Joakim Noah in his prime, Derek Rose in MVP, Taj Gibson. Jimmy like, Butler. Yeah. Oh, well, this is before Jimmy Butler got there. May, I mean, who knows if Jimmy ends up there? I don't know. if oh. it, You, you got to think about it like that. Like, Jimmy still wasn't in the league yet. Jimmy was this, in Purdue. This, oh, he, what year? Uh, I don't know. You got to look at the, the, the thing there, the, the years. But that team was giving LeBron hell. What if he went there instead of Miami? But he wanted to play with his buddies, right? Yeah. His friend, Dwayne Wade, like his brother, as he says. Mm-hmm. What if he went to San Antonio? Does LeBron James have five, six, or seven rings if he goes to Greg Popovich in San Antonio, sacrifices a little bit about himself, and gives himself up to a coach? He wouldn't. I, he would never let Popovich coach him. So we're in agreement that he didn't want to be coached ever? Do you know what LeBron said once? This is, this is something unique about LeBron. LeBron would rather win one by himself than – than win five because of a coach, which is flawed thinking. Because everybody says LeBron is a team player. I actually beg to differ. No, he's not. I don't think he's as team-oriented as he seems. He'll make the right basketball play, but it's his call. You get what I'm saying? So It's always his way. Yeah, he he passed it to Kyle Korver, who missed the shot. You know? Yeah. 
yeah, he's got to hit it. But if he doesn't, it's on you, right? Um, they won two in Miami. He won one with the Cavs, which is going to be his best championship because the team had never won anything. And they came back from 3-1 and the, the Draymond groin thing. Okay. I call it the Draymond groin thing, right? Um, people are saying that that suspension was the reason the Warriors lost. I don't think that at all. I, I'm, I'm giving him credit for that win. I don't, I'm not taking that away. Yeah. What are you supposed to do? Draymond Green did kick him in the groin. Like, I just that think happened. That's a thing. You had – the Warriors had two cha- – no, three chances to close out the series. When you had Steph, Clay Thompson, Harrison Barnes, uh, Bogut, who was a powerful center at the time. LeBron has been to the finals ten times. Yes. Okay, so let's look at the t- – 10 analytically, went eight, right? Went to eight straight, yeah. Okay, but 10 total, right? Yep. Okay, let's look at the 10. The first one with the Cavs, I don't hold against them. I mean, he literally dragged that team of nobodies to the finals, and he got yeah. exposed because he wasn't that skilled yet. Yeah. Right. Popovich dared him to shoot. He had no choice. He clogged up the middle with, like, three Hall of Famers. Yeah. Okay. So he, they sweep the Cavs. I don't hold that against LeBron. LeBron goes to Miami, wins two out of four, loses the first one. They should have won that one. Now, wins the second one against the thunder. the thunder, which I think if the Thunder had a better coach, maybe the Thunder win that series. And Durant has a ring on his own with Russell Westbrook. Seriously. And Harden. I, I, yeah, they like, didn't adjust a to whatever, whatever Spolstra did and the Heat figured out. It just ruined the Thunder. Yeah, They never recovered, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, they won one against the Spurs, and then they lost oh, one against the Spurs. Right. Well, the, Chris Bosh, the long rebound, right? At Ray Allen hits the three. Like, LeBron, I mean, it, it's, it's a very questionable track record in the finals up to that point. He goes to the Cavs, goes to the finals with Matthew Delava frickin' Dova, Holy crap, LeBron drags another team of nobody. Kelly, Shumpert, LeBron, Tristan Thompson, Mozgov. Right, and, and they, like, compete. But then yeah. the Warriors end up winning because Kyrie gets hurt. Yeah. Kevin Love is hurt, right? Remember, he got his shoulder torn out by Kelly Olynyk. Freaking crazy MMA freaking Kimura arm lock. Uh, yeah, literally. <laughs> so, like, I don't hold that one against LeBron either. So right now, if you're looking at the four trips with Miami, they split. They probably should have had three. Yeah. The one in the first Cavs run, I don't count. So he's like 50-50, right, up to that point. They go to the finals the following year and win. 26, yep. Now there's reason to believe that they would have beat the Warriors the year before with Kyrie and Kevin Love. I agree. So now you're like, holy crap, this – Maybe LeBron is the G we think he is. Then they go to the finals. LeBron drags everybody along again. 20, in what year? Kyrie's hurt, right? The following year. It was, remember, they went, they went to the finals three times against the Warriors. Yeah. Oh, right. Are you talking about, but, but they have Durant, right? So then they end up. 2017? Right. Kyrie was hurt? Yeah, remember uh, Kyrie? Well, no, the one year Kyrie played, and we lost what four to two, or was, four to one. 
Yeah, we lost four to one. Okay. Four to one in twenty seventeen. But yeah. Okay, and then and then the following year yep. was the year we got swept. It was the uh, J.R. Smith, George Hill, all that crazy jazzmatazz, whatever, right? And then Kevin Durant kills us again. Yeah, whatever was going on. I don't know what time it is, bro. You know, the smokers' room, as they say, <laughs> uh, the the Snoop Dogg bus. He must have been riding on. Um, I just look at all that. Yeah, like, I, th- I think I, I look at the way LeBron's finals appearances have played out. What if he played for the Spurs? What if he played for the Bulls? Tom Thibodeau. A Greg Popovich at the – yeah, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel, But LeBron, he did not want Greg Popovich. He would have held him accountable for everything. Yeah. And then he would have took – it would have been some of his credit – he'd be giving up to the coach because they would have said, look, LeBron is winning, but it took him to win with us. That's it's, it's juvenile to think that he would be discounted for a championship, but but LeBron would rather have one on his own one time than to have one five with Greg Popovich. Hey, bless as crazy as it sounds. Bless Greg Popovich soul. Cause that, that guy's a Hall of Fame coach. So when we talk about LeBron versus Michael as who's the goat, it's not even close. There's LeBron is a statistical goat. LeBron is not a winning goat. He is not a winning goat. Like the greatest, greatest of all time are always viewed as winners. No, he left too much out there. I think his career is going to be, he's going to be viewed as an underachiever. Like, if he wins two with the Lakers, it really changes things because he'll have five rings. Yeah. Like five's a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many guys have five rings, right? But if he if even if he just wins one, it helps. But like as of right now, he's never going to be revered as one of the greatest winners of all time. He'll be a statistical goat because of his ability to rebound, pass, us, you know, like all these, you know, score and all that. But it's all overstated. There's, because because yeah. he got in his own way of winning, I feel. So Here's to me, my, that's what that's what made Michael unique. Here's my thing. I think LeBron is a unique player. They're different. They're they're way different. Jordan and LeBron. They they, they play they play different positions. They they don't weigh they don't weigh the same. They they don't they're not different heights. Um. I LeBron, this man averaged a triple double. I get in the 2017 NBA finals when they went against Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, all those boys. Um, LeBron led every statistical category than Jordan, especially in assists and assists make players better. That's the way I look at it. I think LeBron does a great job at making players around him better, but I don't think he's a team player. I think, I think if you're going to go one-on-one, LeBron versus Jordan, LeBron, I think LeBron would win. The powerhouse, the way he's able to move to the basket, his basketball IQ, the way he shoots the ball, obviously Jordan was a, was a, was a great shooter as well. But I think when we're comparing basketball IQs and the way LeBron is able to move the ball around the court, you're able to see how LeBron can be viewed as the leader and the impact he made on different organizations like the Cavs and the Heat. And here's the other thing, too. Every time LeBron left the Cavs, what happened to the Cavs? 
straight to the lottery every year. So what does that have to do with his career? I just think the way he impacts organizations is huge. Like, I think we're... Well, the... What, I think what you're overstating is roster composition. What you're saying is that without LeBron, teams will lose. Well, how many how many championships did the Bulls win without Michael? I know they won games, but they didn't win championships. Right. Which, if you don't win a championship, it's the same as if you lost 50 games that year. And nobody remembers the 50 and 32 teams. Mm-hmm. Oh, this team was 50 and 32. They were so great. Well, they lost in the second round of the playoffs. You know, like nobody remembers that. So to me, it's the same. I don't see them any different. LeBron, the reason that teams get so bad when LeBron leaves is because they don't have draft picks because they're good. They don't have high picks. And then because he was there, they did a lot of free agency to support what he needed in building that roster. But it hurts the team long term. The Cavs were rebuilding after LeBron left for like four years. High pick after high pick after high pick. Kyrie was really all they had to show for it. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? But if they didn't stink it up, he wouldn't have been there, and LeBron probably wouldn't have came back. You know, so, like, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is you can't use that argument to talk about how great LeBron is when a team sucks after he got there. Well, they sucked before he got there. So yeah. it would make sense for them to suck when he leaves, you know? Um, that, and and that's, that's – you just have to – when you look at LeBron versus MJ – I, I personally don't really think it's an argument. I mean, Jordan was just – I mean, he, his career is full of iconic moments. Uh, LeBron has a couple, but, like, every year oh. was Jordan's year, bro. Literally the 90s were his decade. LeBron doesn't have a decade. LeBron won championships in the early 2000s with the Heat, so he won in, what, 11 and 12? Yeah. And then he won again in 16? So he didn't dominate any decade. I mean, I guess do you, the Warriors have three chips too. So LeBron's got three with two different teams. The Warriors have three. So that means LeBron, who's been the face of the NBA, doesn't have more championships than the Warriors. Right. You get what I'm saying? So I don't – LeBron was a dominant talent. He was never a championship dominant player. There's too many – there's too many flaws in his performances in the playoffs. Uh, the imperfect and the imperfections of his games against the the Magic in in that year and the Celtics. I mean, he played hard. He tried, bro. He was a great player. I think he just he still wasn't who he was with the Heat. You know, if yeah. you could if you could take LeBron with the Heat and put him against the Magic, I think they beat the Magic. Yes. If you take LeBron from the Heat and put him against the Spurs in 07, maybe it's a tighter series. You know, I just – he was maturing as a player. He was becoming a more efficient scorer. Like, the things where he was getting better, bro, crazy as it seems. He was getting better with the Heat. But I think two out of four with the Heat, uh, not really ever wanting to be coached, there's some stuff he left on the table. I don't know if he'll ever admit to it. I don't, I don't know if he'll ever say, you know, I could have won more if I would have gone here or there. He's never going to want to look back and say I was wrong. He's really stubborn like that, I feel. Um, but I think he left some out there, man. And, and Michael didn't really leave much out there, dude. And, I mean, if he did leave a couple of chips out there, it was because he retired early. 
But uh, I, I just think LeBron, if he really wanted to win more, he should have gone where he could have been coached instead of having David Blatt, Tyron Lou, and, you know, it's Eric Spolstra. Luke Walton. You know? Yeah, dude. I don't, I don't, it's just, it's just all, but he wanted, he likes to be in control of the situation because if they win a chip, it's because of him. Because and that's meaningful him. to him. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Well, the debate goes on and on. And... No, nah, no debate, bro. It's Jordan. <laughs> I, I don't even like Jordan, man. I hate his guts. <laughs> People view it as a debate now more than ever, but I, I think moving forward, um, LeBron's the GOAT. <laughs> nah, dude. <laughs> All right. I just wanted to say thank you to uh, – the Sneed Mobile Tech for joining the uh, the podcast tonight. I really appreciate you taking the time and talking. You're welcome, man. Basketball IQ, anything, um, almost everything. Um, but I just want to say thank you very, very much for uh, taking the time. And you're welcome. Thanks for having me, buddy. Yeah, no problem, no problem. Uh, once again, to the audience out there who is uh, listening to this right now, make sure you go subscribe to Sneed Mobile Tech on YouTube. Uh, is there anything coming up that we should know about? Uh, like for my, what's going on with my channel and stuff? Yeah. yeah. Well, um, just to give you guys a quick snapshot of what's been happening in wireless telecom, T-Mobile and Sprint have merged. So now that's going to be one carrier. That'll all be just T-Mobile. So if you are a Sprint customer, that'll be changing your bill and changing uh, your provider. Uh, also, there's a bunch of new technologies coming to smartphones that'll make your data connections, your LT and 5G really, really fast. And uh, a lot of new technology and in, in like a lot of the smartphones that are coming up 2020 and 21. So um, if you want to learn more about that and how it implicates your life and how you communicate and things of that nature, um, you know, feel free to check out Sneed Mobile Tech uh, on YouTube and um, also on Twitter at Sneed Tech. And, uh, you know, you can learn all about those different things. It's uh Way to get educated and informed on wireless telecom and technologies. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you all for listening tonight. Hope you enjoyed the episode and um, hopefully I'm back next week and with a new topic. Yeah, I can't wait, man. I'll be listening. Heck yeah. Appreciate it.